This podcast is made possible by Sound Toys, makers of the award-winning Echo Boy and a full line of professional audio effects plugins. Twist, morph, drive, and push your creativity to brave new worlds with the analog attitude of Sound Toys. Learn more at soundtoys.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. Philadelphia native Steve Gunn kept popping up in my playlist, and each time he did, I stopped to hit save to favorites and liked songs. Who is this guy? One deep dive into an album led to another, and then another. Each album had its own personality, and many of them were interesting collaborations. I was hooked. It was a pleasure to get to talk to Steve and dig into his early days in hardcore bands, to making recordings with his own band, solo, his collaborations, and productions with other artists. We also had some fun gear chat for good measure. Enjoy. That you're living in. Smile scars. Ghosts of grinning. Hey man. Hey, how's it going? Good man, how are you? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, thanks for t- thanks for taking the time. Of course, thanks for having me. So, um, so you grew up in you grew up in Philly, right? I grew up in Philly, yeah. And it mm-hmm. was that sort of your your formative years were in Philly. Yeah, those was my formative years. Um, basically, I mean, I going all the way back. Like, I grew up out in the suburbs of Philly, and my parents grew up in the city and they were like super musical. They were around in the sixties and they were super into music. My mom was like a record collector. She's really into R and B and soul and stuff. And when, you know, in the earlier sixties, she was going to like American bandstand and all these Motown groups and stacks groups and stuff were coming through and with these reviews and stuff. So they were, it's so cool that they're music heads and I, you know, I was like a, a youngster dabbling in all kinds of stuff. And then I started taking music lessons and my parents, luckily there was a great guitar store in my town. It's still there. And, um, it's called Tadero's music. Amazing guy. And I just, he was so welcoming and some of my other friends were taking lessons and, you know, it's the kind of thing that some kids stuck with, you know, some kids did it for a year or two and it clicked with me and I just kind of, didn't, I didn't take lessons forever, but I moved on. And then, you know, and also just continuing that into like going to record stores in Philly and going, I went to college in Philly and they had an amazing program, music program there. I didn't go to music school, but they had amazing resources and a great radio station and stuff like that. So it was like, I was in a really cool place. Not in retrospect, thinking back, I was like, damn. It was a very rich environment to be in for music. Were you recording when you were a you know teenager, like four track stuff, or making records with your bands and? Totally, yeah. I mean, I was 
I, I still have this recording. It's, it's kind of blows my mind, but I, when I was, I think maybe when I was 14, I had this, I had two boom boxes <laughs> and I was like multi-tracking with them, you know? Yeah. Um, and basically I had like my acoustic and I had had this like keyboard, I think it was a Casio. And I was like putting down these little keyboard tracks and then putting it on the boom box, playing that from the boom box and then pressing record on the other one and like doing a two track. There's just one track. I don't know how I still have it, but it's, it's like eight minutes long and you hear my, my mom come in the bedroom. She's like, it's time to go to bed now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just shut it off. But it's oh, so, it's so crazy to hear it because I can still hear, I can hear myself the way that I play. It's almost like this. I have this weird sort of natural language. Of course, everyone does, but I can, even back then I could hear me trying to find that. It's really cool. I similarly found some old cassettes of stuff that I had, I remember when I was like eight, we set up all these Tupperware drums and like had pennies in a coffee can and like for the snare and like the whole thing and made these one note, you know, I was just playing like an acoustic guitar playing ACDC covers. And then we would take the, take the live cheering from the cheap trick at Budokan record. And we would like, I would, (laughs) I would splice that in, in between the tracks. and, And it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy how inventive, you know, I don't know the specific, I'm sure kids are as inventive as they were in the past, but just to be, I'm so grateful that I grew up in like a different sort of climate as far as technology and social media and computer stuff go. Cause I had, you had to like literally cut tape and spool it together or yeah come up with your own crackpot way of recording music. I had no context of what to do. I just, I just said, Oh my gosh, like this boom box. I, I just figured out my own, like, Holy crap. Like they both have mics on them. Right. So I can use this as an instrument, you know? And, and essentially that's kind of what I was doing. It's like, you know, it's really hilarious to think about that. And some of the stuff, you know, I was, you know, like I remember some of my times like first recording or like, you know, I bought, a four track and like, Oh gosh, you need a mic stand. Oh no. So then it's like, you have like a, a mic taped to a lamp and you've got this sort of like inventive way of, of like making yeah. tie, tying it all together. You know, did, you know, you mentioned your mom, but you know, you sort of having this R and B, a lot of R and B and, and did you, you know, and I wouldn't say, you know, if, if I heard your music today or, you know, even your, and clearly your first records, you know, your earlier records, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that, that stuff, it certainly doesn't rear its head there too much, but I, I kind of hear that in some of the, some of the stuff that, you know, you've released more recently. That's cool. You, you noticed that I think, you know, this, when I was talking about the R and B stuff, this is the very beginning for me. I think I'm, I really, have put that connection more solidly in place thinking about like my whole trajectory because that just like there and it's true like some of the earliest music that i loved was was vocal stuff hearing emotional singing you know and and hearing kind of like more emotive like love songs and stuff it always stuck with me like i i really loved like stevie wonder for example or you know the sort of more like soul singer stuff was always something I still listen to all the time. And I, I definitely think it informed my singing now, not to say that I'm even close or, 
or at all at any sort of level as them, but just as far as like vocalizing and, and, and singing, it, it definitely affected me. And I, it's some of my, still some of my like favorite music, you know? I think those formative years are so key, you know, it's like, you can't, you can't help that. It's just how you were, it's in your DNA essentially, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And, and also, I mean, my, my parents weren't just exclusively into R&B. They were into, sure. like, you know, my dad especially was into rock stuff. I mean, he had like, he was rocking like Boz Skaggs and all this, you know, Steely Dan and all this stuff. But he also was like open-minded. Right. I was like, what is this weird? I like this, you know, I like the talking heads. What, what this is, you know, or, you know, he's sort of like, he wasn't just a suburban, boring guy drinking Coors Light. He, <laughs> he, he lived a fairly sort of straight ahead life, but he was he was sort of open-minded about a lot of stuff. Like he really was interested in explore. He had this sort of exploratory kind of like out, you know, perspective on stuff. And I think that's where I, I get that from too. Um, yeah. That's what, that's what I did. Honestly, like that was my step into appreciating music and then being in Philly and, you know, I got caught up in uh, skateboarding and punk rock. I had an older sister. I think it's, it's also, I give a lot of credit to her because she was really, I looked up to her. She's about seven years older than me. And, and like, she had really cool taste in music. And I mean, I just would go into her room and borrow, like, what is the, what is the, what is this music? Like, I'm so curious. And I thought her, I thought her friends were so cool. And, and then suddenly I'm like 12 years old and I know about like all these bands that none of my friends know about. And I'm like, yo, this is the music that I like, like, you know. Um, and I ended up, yeah, I was going to concerts when I was, I can't believe it. Like I have friends who are, their kids are teenagers. And I'm like, oh gosh, like I was hanging out at like Danzig concerts when I was this kid's age. Like I can't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm very, I feel very grateful and lucky that I had these, these sort of outlets, you know, uh, just to kind of like sponge. And I really was, a, uh, I still am. And I was just like, give me everything. I want to, I want to know about all this stuff. And, um, that continued in my life when I started playing, you know, I was like playing in these kind of second rate crappy kind of skate rock punk bands and hardcore. I got caught up in a hardcore scene and started traveling to see gigs. And like, I mean, this is when I'm 15, 16 years old right. and my, my parents let me go on tour uh, and I went on tour and played with this hardcore band. They, their bass player, their bass player, you know, it's classic. Our bass player quit three days before our tour. Can you do it? And I'm no like, problem. okay. And my parents were like, what? No way. You're, you're 15 years old. You can't get in a van with these, these people we don't know. And I'm like, mom, like, you know, and I was a pretty good kid. So they're like, all right, just call us every day, blah, blah, blah. So right. it's like, you know, and suddenly I was on tour, like in the back of like a, wor a, a work van, like one of those vans, right, right? you know, that like had one bench seat in the front, but the rest, but the rest of the van, you're just sitting back there, like with, right. with bouncing around, driving four or five hours, you know, um, but yeah, That's and that was like the beginning of all that stuff for me. And yeah, nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, right. No, totally. I'm still in the back of that van. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny that, I mean, you, you, you're, you're mentioning all this, you know, the hardcore scene and then your first record is way closer. Well, <laughs> way closer to like a Leo Kotke record or something, you know, it's like, it's yeah, very, totally very, you know, it's just acoustic guitar. It's beautiful. And thank you. And, um, you know, the, the funny thing to me about your catalog is that, you know, if you start at the beginning and, and you kind of go through the years and, and your releases, there's a lot of variety there. There's a lot of crossover, of course, with the, like, you know, it started out like a very you know, acoustic thing and it still is a, a very primarily acoustic guitar based thing. But, um, you know, some, it's got a ton of world music influence on some of those records, you know, a lot of Indian yeah. music kind of feeling. And then, yeah. you know, and I want to talk about your partnership with, um, that you, you know, you, you did with, uh, on Nakama with, um, Modu Mokhtar, mm-hmm. Mokhtar. Um, I think I'm pronouncing his name, right? How do you say his yeah. first name? Emdu Mokhtar. Yeah. Emdu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was curious about, I mean, you're you're also massively prolific. I mean, you got so many records out, and you have, I would say, you know, a lot of them are collaborations with people. They're sort of different than your records. Yeah. You know, they're. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still you, but it doesn't sound to me as much like a Steve Gunn record. You know, so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So can you talk a little bit about your collaborations and and uh, you know. Sure. I think that's interesting just in terms of like who we choose to work with and, you know, why these partnerships. Yeah, I think that like for me and even talking about my history uh, as far as like where I came from, I have and and exactly your point where it's like, oh, you're you were in this hardcore band, but your this your first album sounds like like an acoustic uh, ECM record or something. But it's like, you know, I have always even when i was that age 15 even well obviously a little bit later i started hearing all different kinds of stuff i started falling in love with with world music like you said uh, becoming sort of obsessed with the sounds of, of indian classical music but also stuff from all over the place and i just was like listening to everything also you know uh, jazz and and philadelphia especially this is a great city for that and experimental music too. Philadelphia at the time, there were all these every there was just so much happening, and all of it was different, and all of it was 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 interesting to me on different in, in on different levels, and I was never a person to be like, no, 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 I'm a dude who writes songs. I'm a songwriter guy who's like telling my life story. I never, I never thought like exclusively this is what I want to do. I was always inspired by so so many different things and trying to kind of incorporate things into my playing that I was hearing, not so much technical stuff. Like I wasn't learning how to play a traditional raga, for example, but the tonality and the sort of feel of it, I was definitely absorbing and putting into my playing. I also, you know, I was listening to a lot of songwriters, of course. So I was always trying to kind of tell stories and and write lyrics and in and, and, and more of a visual, visualized kind of sort of image imagery and, and put it into music because I felt like I didn't want to just, just be an instrumentalist. Um, cause I feel like there was a scene where there was a lot of guitar players who were doing this solo acoustic stuff. And I was like, no, I'm not, I don't want to just be like a put in this category, so to speak. And I've always been, I feel like I've always uh, kind of been that way and I still am. And I think that 
collaborating is so important for me and 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 it still kind of creates this i feel like there's always for me especially there's this third way of of collaborating there's like a when two people get together they kind of like interact and then something else happens and i i don't necessarily think i can do that alone i i, I play my ass off all the time and i'm all constantly working on stuff even today I'm, you know um, doing things, but there's something for me to have this kind of exchange. And that also changes throughout, as I, throughout the years, my, the collaborative things always push me in different directions and teach me things. And I learn learned a lot from all these people who I admire. And I feel really kind of great. I feel very grateful that, um, some, you know, these people were willing to, to, to teach me stuff and, and just to kind of play freely and and to see what happens i think that that is to me that's one of the more rewarding things about about all this is uh having those experiences um and so it's it's interesting to see all my the things that i do because some of them don't exactly piece together in in a in a concrete way but i also like that i like i like that there's it's i don't think that there should be be i try to push against trying trying to be in, in in just one genre so to speak and you know uh it's it to me it's just not it's not interesting you know um it's it's interesting for others but i feel like i just have i've like i said earlier i have this real exploratory sensibility and um i like kind of balancing it all and and all the stuff kind of informs it, form, it informs all the other practices that I do and it keeps me kind of, you know, uh, upright and, and positive. You know? Yeah. And engaged with the, engaged with the next thing, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I think it, you can't just keep, yeah, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. And it's, you know, it's tough out there, man. Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's just, it's a, it's can be, it can really, I think being a musician and trying to, make a living and doing that um, and, and setting yourself up for um, certain situations that you're not prepared for, it can really kick your ass if you're not ready for it. And I know that, I mean, I've experienced it myself and a lot of my peers and friends experiencing it are ex experienced that too. Um, and I think that for me, there's a higher sort of, there's an elevated uh, con like, um, recognition of, of being of being here and being a musician and I, and I, I really enjoy that connection with others i just did a record that just got announced a couple days ago that um it's, it's one of the more fulfilling projects that i've done uh in the past years and it's just like I, it, it it it's i play classical guitar <laughs> i'm not a classical guitarist but um, I was doing this project with a piano player, this guy who I really admire. His name's David Moore and his group, he, he it's called Bing and Ruth. And he, I've been listening to his music for years and we just sort of connected uh, just over like email or whatever. And we kind of slowly started working on this project that was no context, like just send me, you know, let's, let's just play and see what happens. And mm. um it was this incredible, like, and also it was so interesting because we didn't know each other and we didn't really talk about anything. 
And we both, I mean, this was also like heavy lockdown. And we both were like just in this really kind of like singular places. And we, it was this super therapeutic process and not, and we weren't intending really for it to be a record or for anyone else to hear it. We were just kind of doing it for, for each other. And I don't know, I feel like now that it's done and it got mixed and it's getting released, it's so interesting because I feel like the, the moment, the conversation is palpable with others. And uh, to me, that was like, it's super meaningful, more meaningful than, than like, if I were to write this confessional album, like of uh, some character based record and it's like, here's my story and here's my face, you right. know? Um, it, for me, it's like, at this point, I feel very fulfilled by offering something that people can gain, not just my, not just my, whatever I have to offer, but whatever they can gain from it. Mm. Um, yeah. I think that's uh, a, that's a really interesting point is like, it is, you know, potentially fulfilling for the artist, but for, for the listener, for them to find something within that music. And I think that that's been the, you know, obviously throughout his, the history of music, you know, people that tap into that universality or, or, or allow for room for the listener to be involved or, or have it be open to interpretation or have some meaning for the, for the end listener is a, you know, it's a real gift to give to the, to the end listener. And it, and it's also makes the music yeah. like that much more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like even, and, and with my songs too, the, the most sort of fulfilling exchanges that I've had, uh, you know, it's like, I'll be completely burnt out and in some city that I don't know anyone. And, um, you know, I'm obviously incredibly grateful that I'm, I'm not a victim. I'm not victimized by my musical life at all. But I just mean like, sometimes you forget, sometimes I forget that there's someone taking a road trip down some coastline listening to my record. You know, I, I often forget that. And when I'm reminded of it, when someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, like I've been traveling and I've had a really hard year and, you know, your record was this kind of companion to me, um, that that to me, that means a ton. And I feel like the way that I approached songwriting and still do, I try not to, to overbear myself on it because that's, to me, that's what, that's, that's almost the goal is to have someone listen and think not, not, not of me, but of like themselves and others. Not that I'm some, you know, incredibly uh, uh, benevolent, musician in that way there's obviously a part of me that's there but I, I really i don't know to me the most beautiful thing is when someone just says dude i your music is so cool and i'm using it personally you know mm. and I, I obviously that's that that's the intent for for many and most songwriters of course but i like to be a little more abstract maybe than others uh yeah i think you know? Well, I mean, it's out of your, once you put it out, it's, it, you have no, you've, you've uh, relinquished control. So, yeah, know, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, in, in a good way, I think, you know, and obviously you're able to sort of, it, it would appear from the outside that it's cathartic to put release music and move on to making more music, you know, so. 
It is. It is. It's funny because it it is very cathartic, and it's sometimes like I move on a little too quickly. I'm like, oh crap, because it's so over. It's everything so overlap. Like, oh yeah, the 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 thing I wrote a year and a half ago, two years ago is now finally people are hearing it. So I've I guess I've got to like go back and play it again, and then it would sometimes it means something totally different. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. Are a lot of the collaborations done remotely or like how, how have the, how has that happened? Mostly it's there. Mostly it's with the people, um, like in a, in a studio or in a, in like a, a setup, you know, home studio or something, but usually it's always, I, you know, I have done things remotely, but, and that can be kind of fun. And of course it was necessary and has been for the past couple of years. So that was a new a new kind of like stepping into a new sort of territory for, for a lot of, for obviously a ton of people. I mean, I learned a lot, but for me, it's always better to kind of be there with the person. Yeah. You know? I, I laughed when I uh, saw that uh, I was looking at the, the liner notes or the credits for other you. And I saw that Rob Schnaff had worked on it at, who I, I love and is, uh, Me too. You know, yeah. A, I love a, Rob. Cool. You know, he made the Andy Schaff record neon mm-hmm. skyline that I, I love so much. And, and it's just so listenable and so groovy. And, you know, I laughed when I was like, Oh, of course that's <laughs> makes perfect. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Rob's the best. Yeah. So why, how did you guys come to, to, work together and meet and yeah i i met rob the first time i met rob i mean was i've always been sort of I'm an, an admirer admirer of him um since his work with you know i really loved those elliot smith records um and i remember like reading about them and being like oh gosh this guy rob seems so cool these records sound so great and then to see him working with other people that i also knew um I was always like really curious to meet him and see his studio. And then he and my friend uh, Kurt Vile were hanging, hanging out quite a bit and working together. And he seemed to, those guys seemed to become pretty close. And um, Rob reached out to me and told me that he liked something that I had done. And I was like, Oh, Whoa. You know, I responded like, Oh my gosh, like a, you know, it was kind of this immediate sort of connection because I also was and friends with Kurt and I knew that those guys were working together. So we started sort of just like corresponding and I played in LA and he came to a gig of mine. And then I set up a meeting, you know, I set up like a, just a hang really. And I, he, he invited me to his studio. And I think actually the first time I saw his studio, there was like, um, He's in LA in Eagle Rock where there's all these studios kind of connected and there's a back courtyard. And I was there, I can't remember for like what music, there was some music sort of event happening. And there was a, there was like a open studios party hosted by, and it was a like almost like a NAM event or something where there was like um, all these people who made effects and gear there and was a kind of like a dinner barbecue kind of thing like nerd out tech barbecue (laughs) (laughs) and it turns out i was like oh shit rob like that's rob's here and he's like hey my studio is right here do you want to like come and check i was like damn yeah i'd love to so we we all kind of hung out and i checked it out and 
yeah, it just was also like when I stepped in there, I was like, oh man, this, this is like the ideal place I'd love to work. Cause it just felt so comfortable and it wasn't, it just felt like you were in his house. You know, it wasn't like a fancy place and it, there was, there, it wasn't like a cold room with not a lot of like feeling or, you know, it just had yeah. this really cool kind of warmth to it. Um, and it was very cozy and just felt like this is, this was a place I'd love to work. So yeah, we just kind of kept in touch. And then eventually I was working with Matador and, uh, everything kind of aligned. There was a lot of back and forth, of course, because of COVID. Um, but we eventually were able to really start working on a record and I went to LA a lot and I have some friends there. So I was kind of staying there and yeah, I mean, we just like made this a record over a course of a few sessions and uh, yeah, it was just, it was just the best. He, he, he really um, was such not only just an amazing engineer, but also just a good um, kind of supportive uh, coach in a way where he was teaching me things I'd never try. I mean, I feel like I'm not exactly I'm not like a natural studio guy. I'm not going to just come in there and like crack open the case and like bang out a record. I have my kind of idiosyncratic styles and, uh, you know, weird things that I do. And, and Rob, I had ne this had never happened to me before, but he, he just sort of like, almost he kind of understood where I was coming from and really was able to make me feel comfortable. Um, and yeah, I just felt, like really, it felt like a really word, rewarding experience. And also I learned a lot and he's just like, so generous with his, with his knowledge about recording and playing and stuff. And yeah, we just had fun too. He's like, he's a really fun person to be around and super supportive. Do you have, do, can you give me some examples of some of the things that sort of went down in there in terms of like, Things that, <laughs> things that Rob, you know, showed you. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like he, you know, with singing, for example, like he, he basically was like giving me all these pointers, like sing. He's like, you know, open, like smile when you sing, or you know, use your mouth, or or, or, or like sit up straight, you know, all this kind of like, like sort of vocal coach kind of stuff that I had never done before, and it made a difference. Um, and then. You know, and it's just like, he, he also was, you know, he, sometimes I get a little like unsure of certain things. Like, ah, shit, like, you know, like overplaying or or trying to do something I almost can do, but kind of can't, you know, I'm always like teetering on this, this edge or like, oh, I can't, I can't do this, uh, you know? And he basically was like, just stop, stop all that shit and play your song. Like, it's your song, you know, play and sing it. And there wasn't any like, let's do the four bars of this verse. I'll play guitar. We'll build, you know, we'll build the song, blah, blah. He's like, no, no, no. She's like, just go in there and play your song. Just be yourself. Basically is what he kept saying. And I was like, you know what? He, you're right. Like, what am I trying to do here? Like, I'm just, it's just a song and it's mine. So he was like, just go yeah. and do it. It sounds great. You sound great. Go and do it. You know? Yeah. Kind of stuff. And like, and then we'd be like, okay, this, this needs a lead. And I'm like, okay, who's the better guitar player? Who's the better guitar player in the room? You know, like, hmm. and I'm like, well, and Rob was like, dude, it's you. This is your record, man. Go in there. <laughs> do it. And I'd be like, okay, fuck it. Like here I go. You know, and, and just free. He, he made me feel like really open 
and like yeah. not not like a lot of times in the past i was always like mm, i don't want to maybe i'll get like the session guy to to like really do the do the the killer like guitar playing in this part you know i just felt like it was more he was like no 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 like this is you we're around you supporting you but this is this is your thing so you know go in there and do it and i was like all right this feels really good it felt really like good i just kind of let everything go and just you know did whatever whatever he whatever was like coming to task i was like i was ready for it even if i felt like i was like sounding inadequate or something he's just like no 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 this is you so that felt really cool and also uh, in that same line like the way that i came up with the title this kind of funny other you is because <laughs> we were i was I sang, I sang a lot for that record and he was so interesting. Like he's really into, uh, he's really good with vocals and harmonies and stuff. And I'm, I just don't like, I've never really done that before. And so I was in this territory of, of singing where I had never been in. And he was like, okay, go back in there and sing like the higher note. And I'm like, okay, I can do the higher note. Okay. Easy. And then he's like, and I was pushing my voice to places I had never been before, which was amazing. And then he was like, okay, do this middle, do the middle range now of this harmony. And like, I'm like, okay, take. And I'm like, yo, I can't do it. Like, I can't, I couldn't hear it. You know, I was like, I couldn't hear it. I couldn't sing it. I just like, it wasn't in my mind or my range. I was like, Rob, like, dude, I don't think I can do anything. No, no, no. He's like, he's like, okay, hold on a second. And he's like, goes to the, he goes to the, like the piano and he's like, ding, ding, ding. He, he plays the note and he's like, do you hear that? And he's like, that's the, the note like sing that i'm like okay cool go back in uh, i can't do it like for some reason he's like all right hold on a second so he takes my voice he took my voice and he like put it in some program and he like made made the voice sing in that note yeah. so it was like my voice singing in the correct pitch and he's like do you hear that and he like put it in the harmony and i was like yeah yeah he's like just sing along with that he's like but it was my voice. It was so weird because it was my voice singing the right part. And right. he's like, he's like the other you. He's like, sing to the other you. And I was like, and I just was like, I wrote that in my little notebook. And I was like, that's the title of the record. It has to be. And it was just so funny. And then I like, of course, when I heard when I heard my own voice singing it, I was like, I I nailed it. But it was like, whoa, it was just the funniest way of him. He wasn't giving up on me. He, he yeah. Would have been, other people are like, all right, dude, like, let's wrap it up here. Like, we'll get some other amazing vocals to come in, like, or not, or not have it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's that, cool. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. He's such a, he has such a generous spirit. I, I, I really like the guy. I just like Me being too. around him. And I, I also really like the fact that, like, you know, he's, he, you know, if, I don't know, he just felt, I felt like he's an ally, you know, like, I think with a lot of labels and a lot of, industry stuff and a, a, things can get get strange fast there's a lot of like studios that are like oh cool you're on this like you're on a bigger label and uh let's you know and when when the shit's all over they're like yo uh where are my points and you start hearing from lawyers and you're like where is our friendship where was this camaraderie that that, that was like so apparent during the session and some of those experiences for me were where they didn't follow through. I'm like, Whoa, this is, this is a little bit disheartening, you know? Um, but like with Rob, it's like, he doesn't, he's like, no, nah. he's like, 
he really you can tell he really he cares about, about what he's working on and who he chooses to work with and i felt really like lucky that i was able to work there you know yeah yeah we could go on about rob <laughs> all day <laughs> but i'll move on okay we love you rob we love you rob yeah um so on that record you did avert you did protection i did yeah yeah and then and then on the comma you know the first track on that is protection again with Mdu mokhtar how did yeah. that all happen and like what was the impetus behind doing that collaboration and was that the same track with just him on it or what did you guys recut that track yeah i redid it um i recut that for so there's um the bass player mikey cork mikey mikey colton he works he's the he's the guy who records their records um he he went he, he originally was the guy who was like traveling in niger and basically like met up with Mdu Mokhtar and recorded his band and he was with him and became very close with them very early and and Mikey uh is a friend of mine and he played in my band he toured with me and we were like good friends and I'm always picking his brain about recording and microphones and you know I went over to his studio and was asking him about stuff and he was super helpful and informative and uh we when I I was when that other you came out and Matador basically was was in, interested in trying to do some kind of companion record with with other you and I had some ideas for collaborative sort of takes on some of the songs and I was like oh gosh this is, could be an opportunity uh, for me to call up call up some friends and you know have fun with some of this music and. Um, yeah, Mikey was one person who I reached out to and he was like, yeah, totally. This would be because I, you know, I'm such a fan of that band and I saw them play over the years from bars to, you know, huge festivals and stuff. And I think that, you know, Mikey was up for the idea. And this was a time when the band was back in Niger and Mikey was at home. So I like just recorded the a new take of the song here at my studio and sent it to Mikey. And then Mikey got those guys to play on it. Um, I think actually maybe, maybe a few of them were in the States at one point, but it was sort of a piecemeal kind of file share thing. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, and then I went, Mikey has a studio in, in the East village here in New York. So I went over there and we sort of mixed it and added a couple of things, but yeah, it was really fun and the rest of that collaborative record was also really rewarding to do you know a lot of friends and peers and people i admire i went out to chicago and recorded with a friend of mine named joshua abrams who is someone i've been a huge admirer of for 20 years and to be able to go to his studio and play these songs but also we came up with our own, own arrangements just there on the spot and it was really loose and it's kind of like i don't know it was like oh gosh this is like really how i want to do it for the next one it just you know kind of like i, I really want to capture the the kind of beginnings of songs not not so much you know have demos and another layer of demos and then tracking and then vocals and then backing vocals and stuff I and mean, that's fun as well but i'm trying to kind of get back to 
you know, there's the whole theory of you're always chasing the demo kind of thing. <laughs> and for me, that's really true because I have this real kind of natural, I don't know, kind of detached way of writing. And I'm like always chasing whatever I've done. Like even I'm, I might not even remember how I did it. I'm always like, well, what's I doing here? You know? Yeah. Um, so it was a spot. There was a spontaneity to that project that was like really cool. You know, it, it's a great sort of uh, tribute to your friendships. Uh, you know, those yeah. collaborations they mark it, and then you, you have a moment, and then you get to share that with the world, even though they don't know your personal relationship and friendship. But it's like sort of the the result of that, and I think it's just a little teeny sliver into two people's like you know friendship, and that, that's that's a that's another cool you know. Yeah. And I also, for me, it was like really a great opportunity for me to tie together all this other stuff that I do. Cause usually it's separate, you know, it's like, Oh, you do, wait, are you an indie songwriter? Are you an improviser? Are you like a solo guy? It's like, well, uh, can I be all those please? Like, you know? <laughs> and so this was a way where I was like, Oh gosh, like I can take these songs and kind of give them to people and have a different exchange. It's not so mm-hmm. much like, this is my music. Like it was more like, here's a somewhat of a structure. What can we do with this? And yeah. to me, that was like really fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the, the, that version of protection a lot. Oh, it, it's just yeah. so otherworldly. And I, I've always loved Tanari win and like all the, you know, those Toreg bands yeah, and stuff. They just, too. that style of guitar playing is so wild. And oddly, you know, I was listening to like, um, a lot of that, uh, you know, hill country blues music, um, like Junior Kimbra. Yeah, me too. Ever, and that stuff is so crazy. Like the crossover between those two, um, you know, super modal and like. There's also like kind of a lo-fi quality to yeah. it. And I feel like the sounds, like the sort of like uh, tonality of it is very similar as well. It's yeah. Really cool. It it was like a massive revelation for me, like <clears throat> where those two worlds, like kind of overlap i was like yeah. wait, wait a minute man like yeah totally. this is crazy like i never um, thought of it that way but it's totally true yeah yeah if you go back and you listen to like those you know even like uh you know the R- earlier rl burnside and and, mm-hmm. and just you know just all that music that came you know the and especially for me to the junior kimber stuff is, oh, man. that stuff is incredible the band is like it's it's so cool because it's like the 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 way that it started to get appreciated um, where there's like such a depth to it. And I feel like with blues, it can get, there's this whole sort of virtuosity to it and like grandstanding and tight bands and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And it sort of becomes very watery and not, not, there's not a lot of the whole intention gets lost. And I feel like, with the discovery of like the early junior Kimbra stuff. It's like, so it, it's so dirty and gritty and dirty. Like, just, and it correlated with so many people who were like loving punk rock and the aesthetic of like, do it yourself. And, and yeah. not, there's no, it's just like bare bones. The real, I mean, not to sound contrite, but it's like the real fucking shit. It's like that, that, that is the real, the current real blues that's out there yeah. that was there f- for forever that still exists and it's still being played and appreciated. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really beautiful music. 
Yeah, when you see where it was recorded in that old wood, you know, roadhouse yeah. or barn. I don't know where. I don't know what. I think it's like a roadhouse or sort of like a juke joint kind of place. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's out of tune. It's dirty. It's sloppy. There's like the I love drummers. the drumming. The drumming yeah, the drumming. Well. Yeah, yeah it's, so good. it's so wild. And I think a lot of that stuff, you know, I you know, t- obviously tape op is a recording magazine, but you know, I I'm such a fan of like. The idea that you you know a great song can be captured in so many different ways yes you can use like a great studio and great mics and yeah make a beautiful sound but you know one mic you can do it and it and it's and it has the same emotional impact if not if not more in a way because you're focused on something different you know you're not kind of like wow those toms are panning around or whatever which i love that's that's awesome i love that yeah like yeah you know, there's just something different about that emotional transfer. There's also like a little bit of mystery, you know, yeah. I love music and I love everything that just adds, there's a little bit of mystery to it. And it's like, well, how did they make this? There wasn't a U87 put in front of this person or a fancy studio panning things all around. It's like, well, well, where was this mic placed in this room? Or what, you know, how, how did someone press record and on what device, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah is is uh, so fascinating you know yeah because it almost gets back to like when I, we were talking about when i was recording when i was 14 13 where it's like it's it's intuition right it's like there's nothing else that's influencing them it's just the music and it, there's a purity to that where it's almost impossible to get to if you're like a person paying for a studio and you're like oh shit i'm under the gun i gotta make something great yeah you know it wasn't about that. And I have to say, not to interject or change the subject too much, but I, I just want to say that like tape op is a is a has been a resource for me for so long. And I really it's so great because it is an outlet that is informative, but it's 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 inventive and it's not there's so many um outlets for recording where it's like it's intimidating. You know, you read, you're like wait, what is this stuff? Like, how do I even incorporate this stuff into my life or into my room, you know? And the fact that it focuses on people's creativity and not so much um, of like technical advances, advancement, and you get to these, you, you interview people who make records for the love of music, not so much for the the love of like making an incredibly beautifully sounding record which is also amazing too but to kind of bridge those two worlds is perfect yeah. for, for it's perfect for someone like me and i know all my friends and peers feel the same way where we want to learn we want to learn about that stuff but we also don't want we don't want to give up our integrity you know too much yeah. so it's like yeah it's, and i I think that there's always like this idea of like the imposter syndrome with recording, like, oh my God, I'm not good enough because I, is does this have enough, you know, 7K on it or whatever? And it's like, yeah. And I think, I think everybody goes through that. And it's like, um, I think it's just a matter of just doing, right? Like you just do. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, there are tools to, to go out and do and capture. And, and, yeah, you know, that's it really. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about trying to capture and, and back to the junior Kimbra thing. It's like, those people that recorded a lot of that early stuff, you know, whether it was Alan Lomax or, or whoever, or the fat possum guys, I mean, those guys are, 
they're not i don't know if i would call them like recording engineers they're probably more along the line of a producer or a documentarian you know because they're they're really documenting something that was True. happening less than yeah. they're like okay well let's whoa 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 man the kick drum mic is you know because there was none. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I know we gotta wrap it up soon, but um, uh, what what do you what's your home setup? What do you what do you? I'm using like uh, I have an I use Antelope Audio some stuff. I have some like I have like a eight channel mic preamp interface. Uh, it's real kind of hodgepodge, but I use, I'm a, I'm a fan of logic. So I have like a logic setup and right now I'm recording a lot of like acoustic guitar demos, like just vocals and acoustic. So I have that set up, um, in a room here in my apartment and mic wise, I'm, I'm using, um, like a buyer dynamic M160 for the acoustic and i have i just got like i'm using a um no i'm in tl tlm 103 it's like kind of set up in front of me for vocals and a lot of friends complain about the tlm 103 saying oh it's too much high end but for me it works really yeah. well for my for my voice because i'm kind of I, I, right now i like to kind of sing kind of low almost like a i was reading about roy orbison and how he used to sing almost at a whisper. Uh, so I'm sort of trying and experimenting with different things like that. And I don't know, it's, I, for me that, that just the combination of those two mics with a simple setup with this analog audio gear into logic is working fine for me. I wouldn't necessarily be able to, um, make a full blown record here, but I could do something where I could take the stuff that I'm doing and, and take it to a studio and, you know, like record drums and bass and stuff like that. But, and I have all kinds of weird gear. Like here I have, I recently acquired an Echoplex from like 1964. Nice. So that's something that I traded like a, like a couple guitars for um, that I have that I'm like, well, is this just like a fetishized idea of gear for me? Or is this something that I can really utilize? But I have taken it with me to sessions at studios so I have I have a mix. I kind of like to have a, some things that are more grounding, like older gear to kind of throw in as well. You know, effects wise, not so many plugins and things like that. Yeah, I think that those limitations are cool. And it, I mean, that thing yeah. honestly it has those some of those old things, the space echoes, echoplexes, or just you know yeah. any any sort of older thing like that. It it's sort of. I don't know. To me, it like it sparks, you know, inspiration, and you look at it, and you're like, "That's cool. you know, it just feels like something." So, yeah, it's like yeah. an entity, right? I mean, it's, there's yeah. tape running through it, yeah, and making noise kinda, and like, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Those mm -hmm. are those are really cool. I think that's what gear should do. It's easy to, and I'm guilty of it too. Just something comes across my desk, and I'm like, "Oh, you know, I should buy this." You know, I use, you know, it's great at the end of the day, I'm kind of doing like a thing where I'm like trying to think like, Oh, I'm mixing this record. And like, what am I actually using? Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, wow, I'm kind of not, you know, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not necessarily <laughs> utilizing all this stuff that I have. And so maybe someone else can maybe, cause mm -hmm. I, I also think that stuff needs to be used and otherwise it's just sad, you know, even though it's an yeah, inanimate, it's inanimate objects, somebody else could be creative with it and find spark mm -hmm. in it, you know? So, yeah, for me, it's like, I have a very lean setup here at home because I don't like, if I, if I find something that I think I might need, I start really start more research and I'll like call someone like Rob or like some other friends who know what the hell they're talking about and be like, dude, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Or like, oh yeah, that's cool. Like, I'm like, okay. So it takes me like, I move into it. I ease into it slowly. I'm not gonna be like, I need to get this preamp. I'm going to go run out yeah. and buy it. I'm always like, I'm going to ask four or five people about it. Maybe integrate it into my setup. Maybe not. Cause yeah, for me, it's like, I need to work on my craft you know, I need to work on the songs are kind of what matter at this point. But like, I slowly over the years too, over like the span of like three, four years, I've been slowly building stuff, you know, here. So I'm getting, I'm getting better. Rob has that Brazilian, uh, yeah, man, that, the Molotov thing. Yeah. That thing is cool, man. Yeah. Like, damn, I was actually, I think I was there when he got it. Did it smell it like this smell like just unbelievable, like wood varnish and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. I got one and it came in like, I mean, dude, I've never seen anything like this. I should, I'll email you the photos cause you will okay. laugh. Yeah. It is, it, it came in a styrofoam cooler. It was in a bag, a banana bag. Wow. Like, like where, like you would have like a bushel of bananas. It was wrapped in that oh, stuffed shit. down in there. And then it was spray foamed like oh, in, in, yeah, into yeah. place, like all around. I had to break the whole thing open just to get it. And it was like this big ass transformer and I open it up and it's just like, Oh, it just knocked me over. It was like the v the vapors off the, like the lacquer or whatever, you know, the wood, you know, the wood stain he had put on. I was like, amazing. I think Rob had a similar like setup with the package he got. It was like, what is this crazy thing? Whoa, yeah. like look yeah. like something from a different time. Like yeah. it was in the nail since the sixties or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It fell off some like boat that was smuggling bears <laughs> like like smuggling bales of weed and you know from Panama yeah. or something. That's what it felt like. Amazing. Um, it's just crazy. And it, yeah, the label was all ripped and like it was just I was like that's man, I think that's a pretty fun fun Yeah, unit. man. And like Rob has all these friends, like that guy, um, Bryce Gonzalez. Oh yeah. Bryce like is awesome. His gear. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I've met him, but I was in LA and Rob had his gear and, um, I was like, get this stuff is so nice. It sounds amazing. And then Bryce was recording my friend, Jeff Parker. There's a bar where Jeff, uh, has a group and they play every Monday nights and he was, he's like recording them like those sessions and they put out a, an album last year. That's just incredible. And like, he, he, he had like a mobile setup at the bar and the album came out and it's like, it's like live at the, at the bar, you know, basically right. amazing. But yeah. yeah. It was, and it's funny. Cause I was like at a studio um, here. I was at a studio in, in uh, Rhode Island working on some stuff. And there was a, the engineer had borrowed a preamp in it. And I was like, what is this thing? I was like, Oh shit. Like this is a Bryce made this one. Yeah. And uh, the guy was like, Oh, Oh yeah. I'm borrowing this from a friend. I'm like, he's like, do you know, 
do you know Bryce? I'm like, well, no, a little bit. Like, I don't really know him. I know like my friends sort of know him. He's like, oh God, can you, con- can you contact him for me and like, see if he has any, I'm like, dude, no, like I don't, right. like, you know, I think everyone's like, fuck, like he, is Bryce is awesome. Guy? He's such a nice guy too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you know who the other guy is and I'll just give you this is my 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 hot gear tip for everybody is that Oh yeah, I'll write the this o- down. The overstayer stuff, Jeff Turzo. Okay. Yeah. Everything that guy makes is absolutely freaking bananas. My friend Tom Monahan turned me on to him and and everybody that I talk to, you know, loves his stuff or I turn them on to it. Yeah, well, ask me. Also Tom Monahan's a name similar to Rob's where I've been hearing like for years and years and years. He's such a good, good. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Like all those guys, man. It's like, it's like you're saying about making music. It's just like, who do you want to hang with? Yeah. And also it seems like there's such intuition there, right? There's not like these people have built their own studios and they have their own way of working and it's, yeah. It's not necessarily, it's, I wouldn't say it's like, oh, this utilitarian style of recording, but it's more like on the ground. And it's like, they're friends with people who make gear. They make, they kind of build their own microphones. They know exactly what they're doing. It's not like, you know, there's, I'm not going to name any names, but there's studios here in New York where it's like, you go in there and they have all the gear, but when the, the shit starts rolling, it's like, where's the, where's the other part of this process? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you know, it's not all just about a fancy place and like, yeah, uh, you know, the, the sort of like the, there's a lot of like um, self-congratulatory feelings on like big leather couches where you're like this, how great are we? Aren't we awesome? You know, it's <laughs> like, I, I realized that that kind of territory for me, especially is like a little bit like dangerous. Well, it's, a- it's super alienating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You kind of get, you get detached from, from what, what, what is actually happening, you know, and to know people like, like what you're saying to know Rob and to even to have this conversation with you, it's like, this is the kind of thing that for me, it's like, this is what I need. These are the people I need to work with because it, it, it brings the, what I you know, recording can be such a delicate balance. And if you're in the wrong, obviously set and setting, if you're in the wrong place, it's just not going to compute. It's not going to quant, it's not going to work, you know? And I think that yeah, there's so much learning to be done all the time, you know, for someone like me, who's not, I never went to school for, for engineering and I'm always, there's so much to know, you know, and there's so much, there's so much nuance as well with gear, with gear, you know, and also it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, it's like, it's like amps and guitars. It's like, it does, the shit doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to sound good. You know, that's cool, man. I mean, it means a lot that, that people are listening, like that you hear it and you hear that because sometimes you know, like you're saying, there's such an immediacy to, to music. There's such an immediacy to the business of music now. And some things just get put out and it's like, okay, well, that's done. Uh, I guess I'll go back into my little room and keep working. And, you know, yep. but some, you know, I, I forget that it's still out there and that it, the fact that it's resonating is, yeah, it's really, 
really nice to hear the variety of stuff like ancient jewels versus like way out weather and those kind of tracks i mean they just yeah i i just love that sort of pastoral stony yeah. shit and <laughs> I, that's why i was wanted to talk to you about collaboration because I, it does become big it's you know it doesn't mean you can't make a record on your own but it does become greater than the sum of its parts because i think yeah. when you just trust the instinct and bring the right people in the room because they're cool people. That's it. Like, yeah. I also had this amazing experience not to extend the conversation too long, but I had a similar experience with what you're saying where this Irish singer songwriter got in touch with me, uh, to get a, a producer's email. And I immediately, I already kind of knew that the producer wasn't going to be able to do it. And so I gave him the email anyway. And this is a songwriter who I kind of know, who's like in a band in Ireland and knows tons of people, et cetera. And he wrote back to me and was like, yeah, that guy can't do it. He's like, but can you do it? You know, can you produce and can you engineer it? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess so. And so I was on tour and I was in London and he picked me up. I flew to Dublin and he picked me up and we he rented a house in um in Donegal which is like where my family is from and stuff so I was like I've always wanted to go there it was a total coincidental thing cuz his family's from Donegal blah 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 anyway he rented this schoolhouse and along the way we borrowed all this gear and I was like fuck I don't even know what kind of gear we're going to get and I was like this is going to be like I don't know if this is really going to work but then he knew this older guy who had all this amazing outboard gear and he had a really, really nice U87 and a bunch of other stuff. And we got to the house and set everything up. And basically he's, you know, he like is a singer songwriter. And I realized that he, and I was thinking about myself and actually spending time with Rob and the way that Rob was really kind of like coaching me and, and, and thinking about me as, as a singular kind of person and making me feel comfortable. I was like, I fell into that role and this dude had all these songs and basically the whole thing was was we created this space and we had the mics and they were set but more so i was kind of coaching this guy and being like on the other side of it for the first time and being like just do it again like you're, you you sound great like if he started like second guessing himself or tripping up like we're not going to do 18 takes like let's go take a break like we got this house, like, you know, it was, I cultivated this feeling with right. him and it's really palpable in the music and it, I can't believe it worked so well. And I'm really happy with this record. We just mastered it here in New York and we got like some amazing players to overdub some stuff. Tony Garnier, he plays with Dylan, put some bass on it and some other people, but it, it really was like what you were talking about where it was like this this guy, we're, we were friends, but not really. And he had these songs that he, and I was like unsure what I was going to do. But then I was like, I played this role for him where I was like, this is great because it's not me, but I can see him. I can see what he's going through right now. Yeah. And I can, and I can understand not just the technical aspect, but like the, the, the feeling of being under that mic. And it's so important to sort of figure out a way to to make all that stuff kind of go away and live in the music and yeah it was this really kind of incredibly enlightening experience for the both of us and i'm like excited to do more of that you know and it's not easy to to come around to that you know 
there's so many factors and things and schedules and egos and all that stuff. Um, so for, and also for gear, gear wise, I learned a ton just like I had, there was an engineer who lived locally who came kind of helped me with some stuff and just like, damn, we can actually do this. We can make a record that sounds like records that we like, you know? Um, Yeah. I think that's the, like those types of producers that, that have made music, been in bands, been behind the mic, you know, been trying to get performance you know you 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 i feel like you need that as a producer just to be able to sort of really like help somebody because it's not easy man you feel like a giant spotlight's on you sometimes you got people in the room but that's why it's important to have cool people in the room so that you're at your best and it's like a certain sense of empathy right it's like yeah wow like this shit's not easy i mean it can be it can be easy for some where it's like they this dude wrote seven songs and banged them out in a day and they're, they're amazing. But a lot of it's like, you're dealing with people's personalities. You're dealing with like personal issues as well. Sure. You're dealing with like, you know, people's behaviors and just, it's a lot on the table. You know, it's like a huge, it's like a very kind of intimate space and setting. And when it works, when it, when there's the right people who are there for the right reasons, it's a beautiful thing, you know? Well, thanks, man. I'm glad actually. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Glad, I'm glad you brought that up. That might have been some of the most important stuff you you said the whole time. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Not yeah. discounting what you said earlier, but like, I I think that that's such a good point. You know. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much. Have a All great right. day. Yeah, we'll you talk too. soon. Okay. Thanks, later. thanks, Emil. Yeah, man. You too. Later. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time. 